Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon and Ken Miller for the next couple of hours talking sports with you. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, At least for part of the next couple of hours. Hope you can stay for most of it. BMW of Des Moines Guest List. It looks like this. Phil Steele, he of the College Football Preview, the yearly uh, magazine that comes out and is uh, certainly one of the Bibles, I would think, of college football. Uh, he'll join us at the bottom of the hour. Look forward to speaking with him. Uh, Phil Steele coming up at 1030. Mitch Holtis, I didn't check for audio. Got it. You did? Good. Just realized when I said Mitch Holtis uh, that he was going to send some audio. Uh, So we heard from Mitch Holtis. What are we going to hear about? Great question. Good idea. You got the audio, but you haven't looked into it. Uh, You're a step ahead of me. Anyways, uh, Mitch will be ready when he joins us Mm -hmm. at 10.50. We'll talk about those Kansas City Chiefs. The more I look at this team, um, the more I think maybe we're making a mistake. Not not necessarily. Oh, I'm not. I'm painting with a pretty wide brush. Yeah. I get that, but they're clearly still the favorites in the West. Oh, absolutely, right? And I, I know love, you've tried to talk yourself. I know out of I it. have. That's just it, right? You and your Chargers. Man. I love the Chargers, but you know what? I think I'm making. What do you a love about him? I, I love Herbert. Okay, he's good. Yep. What else? I love Khalil Mack. I love Bosa. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the receivers. Uh, I love the safety when he plays James, uh, and he doesn't play a lot because he's always hurt. Which you is love the coaching staff. I do. I like the fact that he's willing to go for it on fourth down. Um, I don't know. It, it bit him in the you-know-what last year. It did. He says he's not going to change this year, Brandon Staley. He's doing the same thing. Um, I just, I don't know. This is a franchise that's never won. Not at a big level, no. no. Never won at all. And right. They've had plenty of heartbreak, too. Mm-hmm. Plenty of disappointment. For sure. And a lot of talent that has come through that organization oh over the last three decades. Yeah. Philip Rivers. Yeah. Junior say I heard of him. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, they've they've had Ladanian some Tomlinson. Ladanian Tomlinson, Hall of Famer, 21, 21 or 24? 21. 21. Uh, Ladanian Tomlinson. Yeah, they've had some dudes. Tight end. Uh, Gates. Mm-hmm. Antonio Gates was there for a long time. Anyways. Um, so, yes, I think I need to maybe tap the brakes on my love of the Chargers. Because my- you did the, uh, the pick four in a row. Parlay, yes, the the championship, the champion parlay. That one you're talking about. You had what? Chargers first, Raiders second. Oh, the exact, the exact, no, the superfecta. Yes, yes, right. And I had the Chiefs last. I had the Chiefs in Denver. I flip flopped them third and uh-huh. fourth. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a bad ticket. You know what else is a bad ticket? My Brewers love at the beginning of the season. That so wasn't th- a bad idea at the time. No, be, and you know what? Their They're, offense has been a huge disappointment. Terrible, terrible. Um, and they made me a lot of money last year, so I'm kind of giving it back. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought that they would repeat, and they won't. The Cardinals schedule down the stretch. I mean, look at the the Brewers about to host the Dodgers. They've got six games against the Dodgers. They've got the Yankees. They've got the Mets. Are the Astros on there? I, I th- they've got an incredibly difficult schedule down the stretch. Maybe the Astros aren't on it. But uh, when you take when you compare the Brewers' schedule and the Cardinals' schedule, I hate to say it, but boy, oh boy, the Cardinals look to be... What a jinx if I said home free? Milwaukee currently has the 14th most difficult schedule the rest of the way. Now, I would have thought it would have been tougher than that. 
They have six with the Dodgers, mm-hmm. three with the Mets, three with the Yankees, four with the Cardinals, and two with the Giants. Their easiest series. They get seven with the Reds. That helps. Yeah. Three with the Pirates, six with the Cubs, three with the Rockies, seven with the D-backs, and four with the Marlins. Who do uh, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday that they tacked onto the schedule? The Brewers play whom on those? Is it three, four, and fifth, I think, of October? Uh, the last series of the year, that's what you're looking yeah, for? Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, find it here. Let's go to last schedule. And there we go. All right. We scroll to the bottom, and that is the D-backs that they get at the end. They get them at home. They finish up all at home. In fact, their last three series, two with the Cardinals, four with the Marlins, three with the Diamondbacks, all in Milwaukee. It's not over. No, but do you know who the Cardinals have their last six games against? The Cubs? No, well, that's worse, maybe. Reds and Pirates? Pirates. All, all of them against the Pirates. Six games set, Friday through Wednesday. What? They'll, they'll face the Pirates. And they'll get on a plane and they'll leave to each respective city. Anyways, That's baseball stupid. down the stretch. Fun. Um, I know football kind of elbows its way into it. It does. Um, but, but baseball was fun. What did you watch last night? Or did you watch the back of your eyeball? You know what? I think, honestly, Trent, yeah. the second day you're back mm-hmm. is worse than the first day. Oh, I'm feeling a lot worse. And oh, yes- a lot worse. Oh, yeah. Yesterday we were joking about it. I'm moving a little slow. And I was moving a little slow mm-hmm. today. I got some kind of combination of a cold and allergies that are starting with the weather change and the rain from yesterday. I feel brutal. I, I just feel absolutely awful. Yeah, that second day, I think a lot now worse. Now, got than me that. yesterday. It did get And you. I feel like a new man today. So maybe tomorrow. That's what we're hoping for. Right. We got TV tomorrow. Whenever it's one you, thing to be on radio oh, yeah. and you can be a little bleary eyed and it's all right. It's another one you're on television. Well, I know you were on a bender, something's not well with when you wear your glasses to work. Right, exactly. <laughs> Two days in a row. No contacts for me. It hurts too much to put contacts in. I never wore them. No? Never never tried. Have you had poor vision for a long time? Uh since you know what do you know I this I firmly believe this. What destroyed my what well, when I can't see across the street, I I don't need them to read a book or a menu, mm-hmm. but to You see, are nearsighted. I'm nearsighted. Yes. Okay. I think it's from looking through binoculars as much as I did. That wouldn't be a shock. Right? I yeah. mean, looking at, look, which is what I used to call horse race uh, for 40 something thousand times. Um, was looking through, and, I, and I really believe that that destroyed my vision. Well, I'm going to ask when we get Dr. Heisman in here from Elite Eye Care, I'm going to ask him if that's, that's true. That's cool. I mean, you know what? Even yeah. if it doesn't make your commercial, right. I, w- I would like to know the answer yes, to that. Because it's a great theory. It is a good and theory. And he might laugh at it. And us. I'm sticking with it. And if he's listening right now, text us and tell us how wrong we are. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, so did you watch a game watch the last twins week? did you had it on and yeah. yeah it was it was just it was just on it, right there wasn't a whole lot of yelling at the television there was not a whole lot of deep into it mm-hmm. got to see a double play to end the game that was exciting especially when it goes your way yeah, they needed it yeah. and, and they need a lot speaking yeah. of those uh, same numbers uh the easiest schedules down the stretch here in the American League Central so, as mentioned, the Brewers are the 14th I think most the difficult. Cleveland uh, Guardians might have the easiest schedule. So, this is, uh, again, from top to bottom, most difficult. And it is da, 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 scrolling through Detroit, Kansas City. They don't matter. It is Cleveland, the 22nd most difficult. Their most difficult series two games with the Padres, seven with the Mariners, three with Tampa. So, Cleveland has not seen the Mariners yet. They have not. Three with Baltimore. Eight with the Twins and six with the White Sox. They still have nine, Cleveland does, with the Royals. They have a feeling pretty fortunate. Good about that. Yes. <laughs> uh, a couple with Detroit, three with the Angels, and three with Texas. The White Sox, the 25th easiest schedule remaining. 
their difficult series, including nine with the Twins, six with the Guardians, and three apiece with Houston, San Diego, Seattle, and Baltimore. Uh, including the final three that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday that's tacked onto the ed- end of the schedule is Chicago, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The Twins of the three teams remaining do have the most difficult. They have three with Houston still. Four with the Yankees. Come on. Come on. I mean, I was watching, uh, well, the Captain Jeter's special. Yeah. And the, and the Yankees and the Twins, they were, at least part of it, was, the, uh, was one of the playoff series. Oh, yeah. Against the Twins. When, when they got we, ripped off. Well, and maybe, was that the beginning of the streak? Yeah. Um, but the Yankees aren't playing well, to my point. So it's not like as daunting as it was a month ago. They are 2-10 and ten over their last Something's wrong games. with this team. Anthony Rizzo went crazy. Now, he should have. It was a terrible call last mm-hmm. night. But he went back in the dugout. And you seldom... I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen Anthony Rizzo snap... But once every two years. Well, then he did last night. Yeah. He's got two years before he does it again. Because <laughs> right. he went bonkers in the in the dugout last night. He's standing in the batter's box, hit by a pitch, in the right hip, almost to his butt. Mm-hmm. And the umpire said, "Stay right here. Stay right here. Stay right here." You didn't get. It. You didn't try to get out of the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't try to get out of the way. It hit him not in the front, right? Not in his the front of his hip, towards his uh, toward the back of his butt. And come on. Um, so I get I get why he snapped, but the but, but to my point, something's wrong with this Yankees team. Not only that, I uh, saw some odds. I didn't see which book it was, but one of them have now made Houston the betting favorite to win the American League mm-hmm. pennant over the Yankees. And what for the last four months, it's been the Yankees the betting favorite. Five months? Oh, it's been a long time. Yeah, uh, I, I'm glad. I Probably got since Houston late when April. I did. Yeah. Well, so absolutely. have you? Is there? Um, I think you asked Mike Palm this. We were either on the air or we were. Getting ready to go on the air on Friday at Circa about the uh, World Series matchup. Mm-hmm. Is it up yet? World Series matchup as it pertains to a, a price where yes, where I, I would like to bet right now Mets versus Astros. Oh, okay. I don't think it was up at Circa yet. We'll see. Okay. Maybe DraftKings has that up. We'll see if they have it on the menu because I would think we're getting close to that mm-hmm. where you can do it. Some places you know have those kind of things up all year long, but. So you want Mets? I'm going to take a flyer at the Mets. I'm just going to. I mean, the Dodgers are—they're no fun. <laughs> right. I hate betting favorites. Right? I get that. I get that. I'll see if I can find this All one right. here. I got winning divisions, winning states, best record, longest win streak. There's a bunch of things here. Mm-hmm. We'll see if we can track that one down. Uh, Hard Knocks episode number two tonight. Have you had a chance to watch episode one? Yes. What are your thoughts? Dan Campbell's weird. Yeah. Not the kind of guy I'd probably like to play for. Different cat. Yeah. Trent, this, the, at least episode one to me, and I hope it gets better. I don't know anybody. <laughs> I know the assistant coaches oh, absolutely. better than I know the players. Yes, there's no doubt. And that's a problem. Outside of Jared Goff. Outside of Jared Goff, right. And, and now Hutchinson. And Hutchinson. Yeah, and, and Hawk, few. who put Hutchinson on his, you know what, did that you? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. That was really good. Um but you just don't know the team. No. I mean, how many times do you watch the Lions during the year? You're a Bears fan, so you watch them probably twice. Thanksgiving. And then Thanksgiving is three. Maybe a little bit more. I, I mean, because if they're playing the Packers or the Vikings and it's a decently close game, I'll, I'll flip Maybe, that on Maybe, but you don't go out of your way, is my point, to watch the Lions. I, I watch the Lions on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I don't think I, I watch them at all. Maybe when they're playing the Vikes. Maybe. If I know my son's watching so we can yeah. right back and forth. But they're not good. They're not. They were not good a year ago. But you know what they are right now at uh, at, at BetMGM? There's more money on the 
The most money on the over-unders that BetMGM has taken is on the over for the Lions. I saw this in the other part of it. Right. The most money they've taken on the under uh-huh. is the Bears. Six and a half in both cases. Great. great. Hey, I found the uh, straight forecast here for the World so Series. So i got to think that I'm getting, if I go down this route, I'm probably, I would be disappointed if I didn't get 12 to 1. Or better. So you do not get matchup. You have to say this team beats this oh, team. Oh, okay. I just wanted to do the matchup. So for the Mets to beat the Astros, you get 17 to 1. Okay. For the Astros to come back on the other side and beat the 15 Mets. 15 to 1? Let's see. I'm scrolling through Houston over. See, they're not listed alphabetically. they got to make this incredibly difficult. And what are you on? on? Uh, this is on DraftKings. And I'm scrolling. This, there's no way it's going to be one of those matchups here. What did I say? 17 to 1. 17, yep. And that was Houston 15 to 1 mm-hmm. for Astros over the Mets. Not bad. 8.30 night? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> DraftKings, you said? Yep. <laughs> yeah, probably seemed like a good idea about 8.30 tonight. Speaking of the Bears, being in Vegas last week, mm-hmm. talking to Mike Palm, talking to a few different people, talking to our proxy, talking to... Who's your team? Bears. Ooh. Ooh. There had to be a half dozen people that I talked yeah. to that were betting unders. Or, hey, I've already took them some places. What is it? Superbook, I think, has all the first 16 games out. Did they put them yeah. out? And they said, oh, yeah, I already got a half dozen games where I'm fading the Bears. Like, this is not just a person that is down on the Bears. They are going to be brutal. There are people that believe that the Bears are going to be the worst team in the NFL this year. And it's a, and it's a year that, that if you want to draft first, there's two quarterbacks at the top of the draft, and your team doesn't need one. Well, are you sure? Yes, I am. You're sure? Yes. The Chicago Bears? Yes. But haven't now, had a quarterback since Sid Luckman, 70 years ago, <laughs> and you're sure? Well, hang on a second, because I was sure Jay Cutler was going to end that streak. No, you did. So maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit over the tips of my skis. I think he's good enough. No. We're not going to see it this year. No, we're not. And that's the problem. No help, but no, it's not because here's the here's the good news. If indeed you stink as bad as 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 the pros in Vegas believe you will, Mm -hmm. and they're not alone, and you've got the first pick in the draft, do you know the bounty you're going to get from a quarterback needy team to come up and take the Alabama kid or the Ohio State kid, um, Young Stroud? You take your pick. So that's what I'm. That's I'm what you got to look forward to. I'm if looking forward to April. No, I don't get to look forward to football season. I have to look forward to what April. You have forward. Yeah, now, you, now here's it. No, you have the Hawkeyes to look forward to because this is a special defense. It is right. I love defense. I, I know you do. I love running the football. Mm-hmm. I love to get out my air horn and yell "power football" in the stands. <laughs> I've never brought an air horn. I horn didn't think so. Yeah. Be I great can't if see I did. you doing that. No, no. I love. Don't that. wear your kicks and no gear if you do. No, you right. Anyway, yeah, we're wearing yeah. hockey gear. Right. I don't want to fast forward to April where my excitement lies. I don't want to fast forward to January where my excitement lies for a new quarterback at Iowa. <laughs> I don't want to fast forward through this football season. You talk about it all the time. Yeah, I don't want to wish away your summer, but you're just ready for football season mm-hmm, at all times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you're already asking me to fast forward through my football well, season. Well, it's going to be bleak, Trent. It's going to be bleak. It's going to be very, I mean, very what, what? How can you make... 
What's 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 the best case scenario for the Bears this year? Other than they finish last and get the first pick, what they the, go the, nine and eight, they and win the, every close game and sneak in and as the seventh draft seed. and they draft twenty first. Right, that's not good. That that's not what the franchise. That's not is. what you want. No, this is the old NBA adage: you either want to be really good mm-hmm. or really bad. Being in the middle is terrible. That's not what you want as an organization. Who have you got on that team that you're excited about? About the future for the Bears? Yeah, a, a or, guy or that's a building year. block, right? Um, still David Montgomery. Yeah, but he's a running back, and the shelf life—you know what the mm-hmm. in the in the NFL is not long. We know that. I think it's Justin Fields. Don't you start with him? Got to see it. I, I'm really excited about Darnell Mooney. Yeah, from what we've saw, Get that speedster out of Tulane, mm-hmm. he's got a chance to be mm-hmm. a really really good player. Yep. Nobody on the offensive line. No. Defensively, nobody. I mean, Rokon Smith. He's yeah. good. Yeah. He's good. Not great. No. Jalen Johnson? He's good. Yeah. Th- that's what we're talking about here. Eddie Jackson's getting old. Yeah. The young guys? Who knows? I, I just This is a bad organization. This, this franchise has been run into the ground. And that's the scary part, is how do you pull it out of it? How? And, and here's the bad news, Trent. Now's the time you should be starting to peak, mm-hmm. because number 12's... You know, that sounds going out of that hourglass right. in Green Bay. This is the time that you're looking to build mm-hmm. up to be able to take that step mm-hmm. forward and when the Packers inevitably, because at some point they do have to take a step back. You think? Maybe another but 10 years. But who's the team in that division that's ready to pounce? You know, I think it's Detroit? the Vikings, but do you, you love Kurt Cousins? No. After watching Cousins, we were up the dial that year that the Vikings ultimately got him. Mm-hmm. And before anybody nationally was talking about it, anybody in Minnesota was talking about it, I brought that up to you one day. We kind of said, whoa, an organization that was set up. Spielman had built that roster incredibly well. They were yep. deep, and they had the cap space to do that. And we both saw plenty of Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. but not like we do now where we see him seemingly every game. Right. You because of your son, you watch yep. a lot of Vikings. Me because of my wife. Yep. We watch a lot of Vikings. And when you watch Kirk Cousins week after week... You realize how many empty stats that guy puts up. Hey, has there been an NFL guy that you can remember? Oh, that's boy. been like that. That has more empty calorie stats. There's that... got to be some. You know, was Warren Moon that way? No, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's in the Hall of Fame, and Kirk Cousins. No, just watch statistically though, because did Warren Moon ever win? He didn't. He did in Edmonton, but that doesn't count. that does not count. Right. Um. In fact, yeah, there might no, be a, yeah. How many how many playoff wins do you think Warren Moon had in Oh, Houston? Trent, that's a really good I'm not a lot. I, I would guess four? Three, three I was gonna say three. All right, now we gotta see this. Warren Moon, his stats year after year, play postseason. All right. He won three games in his career in the playoffs. All three of them in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh nineteen eighty seven, nineteen eighty eight, where he threw four interceptions in that game, they still won. And nineteen ninety one. And then his last two years in Houston and his year in Minnesota, 0-1 in the mm-hmm. playoffs. Empty stats, 49,000 yards. Let's take a look in comparison to Kirk Cousins. I think we got a pretty good comp here. Kirk Cousins. He has thrown four in his career. 32,000 yards. So he's got a ways to go. 223 touchdowns. Warren Moon has thrown 291. 91 interceptions, Warren Moon, 233 interceptions. What? Good God. <laughs> this is a lot worse than I remember. How did he get in? 
If you put Warren Moon in. No, no, I'm not even going to entertain that. I'm, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. No, I'm not even going to entertain. No, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer. Well, because we see him. This is yeah, what it is, though. And right? How many times do we talk about, especially the Baseball Hall of Fame, where we just bring a guy's name up and we look at the numbers. And, yeah, I remember him. He was a good player. Oh, those numbers are a lot better. Well, I put him on my Hall of Fame ballot. Are there going to be those people? Kirk Cousins still has to do more, right? He's got to get the Vikings to an NFC championship. Not play like he has recently. There's got to be another level. But if he does, Kirk Cousins could be a Hall of Famer because he has so many of these empty guys. I can't see it. I can't either. He's got to do more. He's not right now. No. But if he does it for another four years. How old is he? Cousins is. He's got to be, what, early 30s? 33. He'll turn 34 on August 19th. So he's got a couple of... No, he's not in the Hall of Fame. I don't even know why we're having this conversation. Not right now. No, I Not know. right now. But it all came from the empty calories and the empty stats uh-huh. that Kirk Cousins has put up in his career. Consistently. Last year. 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. 35 That's in good. the year before. Yeah, he, he's got good numbers. Uh-huh. But you see him. He's not... No. He's not that good. Right. You can't count on him. How do we get this point? Oh, yeah. Can the Vikings, can they take that step forward in the division? If you believe in Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Warren Moonlight. <laughs> but to the original point, when the Bears should be getting ready yeah. for their window to open because Green Bay seemingly is closing, mm-hmm. you're not there to pounce on that opportunity. And they got a long ways oh, to go. Oh, it seems like got a long, long way. And they're not even close. No. Not even close. This is, right now, you are completely tearing the thing down to the studs again. Uh-huh. This is not a rebuild. This is still tearing down before the rebuild could even begin. And when your wide receiver group after Darnell Mooney is Aquamia St. Brown, yeah, please. Byron Pringle, please. Nikhil Harry, who's cast off, Daz Newsome. Who? Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the group that you're talking about at the wide receiver position. Like the tight end. He's hurt. Komet. He's always hurt. Yep. Has been and there's nobody behind is him. Is this year three for him now? Yes. Mm-hmm. Nobody behind him. An offensive line. Riley Reef comes in. No, 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 no. Chase Allen's behind him. Well, fifth. Is he fifth? Well, he started in I, the are, game. You ever go to Orleans? Our Orleans? No. It's a uh, website that has all the NFL about as up-to-date, better than ESPN is up-to-date on depth charts. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do a good job. They have him listed. Our fifth. lads? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought you said something else. Yeah. Yeah, our lads. Yeah, yeah. I, I do the, go there for depth chart. They've got him fifth? Fifth. Interesting. Yeah. Nice started. So evidently all the others are hurt. Hurt. Don't need to see him anymore. Yeah, had enough. Yeah. Anyway, so and when we said when we were in Vegas, The Athletic did a really good article on Chase Allen. Yeah. It's a really, a, you know, kind of in-depth. Um, draw some I mean, some information. I remember he got hit by a bus his first year at Iowa State. Remember I that? do, yes. They lost a whole year. Right. What do you call it? Sci-ride? Is that what it is? Sci-ride, right? Yeah. yeah, doinked by a bus. Cost him his whole year. That's right. And he was slow to come back then the following year, yeah, too. he was. But then he was named, wasn't he the runner-up for the tight Second team, all Big 12 tight end. He caught like five balls. Yeah. Hell of a block. I, I, mean, I remember having a little chuckle at that anyways. It's 1025. So Phil Steele is going to join us. On I like that. Uh, why did we get him so late this year? Normally we get him when the magazine first comes out. So he's he's got to have an online version of this, right? He does. He, you can update it. If you have the magazine, you can get an updated version of things online with all the transfers, all the moving parts, and you can do that. Just go to philsteel.com. 
and you can find the information of getting the digital copy of the magazine. Because mm-hmm. though you and I both like the hard copy, yep. how much of that information My is eyes not up don't. to date? Well, and that's the other thing, too. <laughs> right. A little bit easier to see when you're watching, looking at it at a video screen. But yeah, he does have that available now, something that he continues to work hard at. And the reason we got him late this year is, well, first of all, there's a little bit of delay getting the magazine out. And then secondly, you were gone, and then I was oh, gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it just, we were going to have them last week. Back. Yeah, it was just kind of one of those things where we were always seemingly bouncing around, and here we are on August 16th, our latest edition ever with Phil Steele. And that's coming up next on Miller & Condon. It's a Tuesday on Des Moines, well, every With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're Sports Station 106.3.net. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Mitch Holt is coming up here in about 15 minutes or thereabouts. We'll talk about Creed Humphrey and his campaign that he put together uh, last year as he looks forward to year number two in the NFL. Right now, Phil Steele, as promised, he joins the program. Yes, that Phil Steele. Phil Steele's College Football 22 preview is out. It's available. Mine's already tattered. Phil Steele, been reading it, uh, spending so many nights delving into it. Trenton, Ken in Des Moines, thanks for coming on. How are you? Hey, I am doing great. How about you gentlemen this morning? Doing pretty well, Phil. Um, I, I love our conversations with you. We get you on a yearly basis. and I, I know the answer to this question already, but with the amount of transfer, how, how much more, I guess is the way to put it, more difficult was it to finally put this thing to, uh, to bed and to get it to press, knowing that uh, by the time you get it back, there's probably been uh, a handful of changes? You know, that's a great question. And I'll tell you what, this year was easier than last year. Last year, the transfer portal closed on July 1st. We went to the press at the start of June. This year, the transfer portal closed on May 1st. So if you were going to play somewhere else, you had to enter the transfer portal by May 1st. The magazine went to the press June 8th. We were not able to, we were not only able to capture all the players that entered the portal, but the majority of them that came out of it. So I think that was a big plus. And to take you, through an idea of how the magazine has changed with the transfer portal, uh, I'm going to use USC as an example. And we'd go back, and I write the magazine in a three-write-through process. It takes seven months. We start the Sunday after Thanksgiving, go the, well, all the way mm. through the start of June. But the first write-through is a postseason write-through where uh, I've just watched every game for the year, and I read every article is written about that particular team for the season. It's all fresh in my head. All the positions have been flows, and then I write uh, that particular team. Well, at that point, after doing the postseason write-through, USC was a 4-8 team last year, first-year head coach with 11 returning starters. I had a middle of the road in the Pac-12 South. The second write-through process is once we get the freshmen added and get the spring rosters, uh, and they started moving up a little. But the third is after I talked to the head coach. And this year, I talked to 120 of the 131 head coaches. So I'm on the phone with Lincoln Riley. Ironically, the day they signed Jordan Addison, now all of a sudden the USC 
roster has Caleb Williams at quarterback, my number one rated quarterback out of high school who played well at Oklahoma last year. Mario Williams, my number two rated wide receiver out of high school who did well at Oklahoma and both knew the system. They added the Blitnikoff winner in Jordan Addison, a thousand yard rusher in Travis Dye. Coach Riley told me he liked what he inherited on the offensive line. They were deeper than he thought. And he added in about 12 transfers on defense, including Shane Lee, uh, who started 13 games for Alabama as a freshman. Now, all of a sudden, USC is my number one most improved team in the country and a legitimate contender in the Pac-12 South. Those type of changes didn't used to happen when I did the magazine. Turnovers equal turnaround, something that we see every year. you got a lot of those articles that come out each and every year. What's your favorite one? What's the one that you think maybe gives you the best glimpse of a team that you think is going to make either a jump up or a jump down? you got a couple different ones in the magazine every year. Yeah, and I, you know, we started with turnovers equals turnaround back in 1995. That was the first metric, Jeez. and now it's just loaded with metrics. Uh, I've got one that uh, I, I like that's called the the YPG system, and this one I put up on philsteel.com. Uh, but it basically, it shows you teams that might have been better than their record or weaker than the record. And you take a look at a team like Michigan State. Uh, last year, Michigan State was 11-2. and That's a pretty doggone good record. But believe it or not, in Big Ten play last year, they were minus 63 yards per game. Now, that's more indicative of a 3-and-3. Uh, six or two and seven team. And then on the flip side of the coin, you take a team like Nebraska. Nebraska was just three and nine last year, but in Big Ten play, they were actually plus 56 yards per game. Once again, more indicative of a six and three or seven and two team. So I think that stat is one of my favorites, but be honest with you guys, I, I love all of them. Close wins, close losses, uh, turnovers equals turnaround, uh, the YPP factor. They're all a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to get to uh, your take on both Iowa and Iowa State uh, before we let you go. But prior to that, when you're putting, um, when when you're, you know, you're talking about the conferences, right? Um, which, in your mind, is the most? Which conference gave you the most trouble? As far as boy, there's a lot of parity in this conference. I put this team here, but quite honestly, that team could have been there. Dot dot dot. Which uh, which team in your mind gave you the most um, the most trouble trying to put together? I can give you a specific division that gave me the okay. most trouble, <laughs> and it would be one that uh, it's the SEC West. Mm. In fact, I, I told you about the three write-through process of the magazine. Here's what I had after my spring write-through uh, when we got the spring rosters. I had number one, Alabama, number two, Texas A&M, Number three, five-way tie. I couldn't <laughs> differentiate between, you know, who do you pick third? Who do you pick last in the West? Because they're all quality teams. So I think the SEC West was definitely my most troubling. Now, the overall conference would probably be the Big 12. And in the Big 12, I mean, there is such great depth in the Big 12 this year that I expect a lot of upsets from the bottom five teams over the top five teams just because there's such good talent uh, throughout the Big 12, top to bottom. But the SEC West was the toughest. Let's talk about that Big 12, and let's go local here with Iowa State, a disappointing 2021 in a wide-open Big 12. What do you see for the Cyclones this year? I think Iowa State's going to surprise some folks. You know, they're picked in the bottom half of the Big 12 this year, one year after coming into the season, preseason number seven in the country. One of the reasons is the fact they only have eight returning starters. So, you know, they're the least experienced team in the Big 12. They're coming off a disappointing season. You expect a rebuilding year. 
But this is right in Matt Campbell's wheelhouse. He always does his best work when nobody expects anything. Yep. And maybe that's been a little bit different when they come into the season ranked. They've been disappointing. But I think you look at the quarterback position, Hunter Deckers is a guy who I think could equal, maybe even top what Brock Purdy did last year. I think you're going to see more downfield throws, taking advantage of a dangerous receiver position led by Xavier Hutchinson and Dimitri Stanley. They do lose a really good running back in Brees Hall. But if you follow Matt Campbell's career dating back to Toledo, he always produces a top-notch running back. They've got a solid offensive line. They've got a guy like Will McDonald at the defensive end spot. Uh, you look at the secondary, they, they look to be in pretty good shape as well. I think Iowa State's going to surprise a lot of folks this year. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if they actually had the, an even better record than last year. So I, I think that Iowa State's exactly where they want to be under Matt Campbell as far as being under the radar. One more in the Big uh, 12. Your, your thoughts on Texas? A really tough weekend, right? A couple of starters, I believe uh, both starters, uh, gone for the year receiver and an offensive lineman. Uh, but 5-7 and seven last year, that's not good enough, as you know, Phil, uh, in in Austin. What kind of year for the Longhorns? Well, you know, uh, FBI's power ratings said Texas the best in the Big 12, and three of my nine sets of power ratings the same. Now, losing Nayar is going to be tough. Losing Angelou at the offensive line is going to be tough. But this is a very loaded Texas team and roster overall. Uh, I'm was uh, even though a couple of sets of my power rings told me they were the best in the Big 12, I wasn't going to pick them first because <laughs> they tend to they tend to underperform each and every year. Yeah. But I think they're a legitimate contender. I've got Oklahoma finishing first in the Big 12, and then I've got Texas, Baylor, and Oklahoma State, the next three teams, all contending to be that other t- team that plays in the Big 12 title game. So yeah, I tell you what, talking to the head coaches, almost every second year head coach will tell you, you know, Phil, we're in such better shape this year. I now know the players inside and out. The players know this systems. I've had my first real recruiting class, and I think we're going to see that at Texas this year, a much improved team. Phyllis jumped to the Big Ten. Iowa, the Hawkeyes, come in after winning the Big Ten West a season ago. Let's start in that division. Wisconsin is the betting favorite. A lot of people like Iowa. Minnesota may be a dark horse. How about you? How do you see the Big Ten West this season? You know, I think five teams are in contention. You look at Wisconsin, they did lose a lot on defense. Only three starters returning. But it seems like every year they lose a lot of stars on defense, and every year their defense is strong. The offensive line should be one of the best. And if Graham Mertz ever plays like he did against Illinois in his first game and lives up to that vast potential, then look out for Wisconsin because they've got the running back duo of Braylon, Annual, Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi. So I think they're a very good team. Iowa might just be the best of the five teams, but I don't like who they pull over from the East. They have to play Ohio State on the road, draw Michigan at home. You're playing the two best teams out of the East this year, which makes the schedule uh, rather difficult. But I think Iowa's a legitimate contender. They actually have my number five defense in the country, my number seven set of uh, defense alignment, number eight linebackers, number seven DBs. You know Coach Ferentz is always going to have them solid on special teams. They're number seven in that category. So watch out for Iowa, despite the schedule a legitimate contender. I think Minnesota's a contender. Their offensive line lost a lot, but Coach Fleck told me he really likes what he has coming back on the offensive line. And remember last year, they were down to their sixth, seventh-string running back. Now they got Mo Ibrahim back, Trace on Potts. Tanner Morgan's got his old offensive coordinator back. And I love the job that uh, their defensive coordinator, Joe Rossi, did with the D last year. I think they'll be solid there. Nebraska's that underrated team that I talked about. In fact, they broke the record in one of my charts up front in the magazine, guys. Close wins, close losses. They actually had eight 
net close losses. No team's ever had that before. Uh, so you basically change one play in those eight games, and they could have been 11-1 and last year. Instead, they were 3-9. and I think Nebraska will be a threat. My concern there would be the change on offense. They're switching over to more of a passing offense under Mark Whipple. They've got a brand-new quarterback. We'll see how quickly they adapt. And then finally, Purdue. You know, I talked about Iowa maybe drawing the toughest schedule of the West teams. Well, Purdue probably draws the easiest schedule of the West teams. They don't play Ohio State. They don't play Michigan. They don't play Michigan State. They've got a veteran quarterback in Aiden O'Connell coming back. Uh, and they've got some talent on defense despite losing a star like George Kaloftis. So I think with the easier schedule, that makes Purdue a threat as well. But uh, for the record, of those five teams, I went with Wisconsin with Iowa a close second. Hmm. I'm not saying that there is a, a Cincinnati this year, but who would come the closest out of the group of five uh, to getting you know at least some discussion about perhaps being playoff worthy? Is there one? Yeah, I, I, and you know, let me uh, uh, put this quick thought into your head for a minute. Last year, we did get Cincinnati in there, and it was strange. Michigan coming off a losing season made the playoff. But when I talked to the coaches last year, I would say 90% of the coaches told me, Phil, this is the most experienced team I've ever had. And what did we find? We found Clemson didn't even play in the ACC title game. Ohio State wasn't in the Big Ten title game. Uh, Oklahoma wasn't in the Big 12 title game. Uh, Alabama lost to A&M. They had close wins, really close wins over Florida and LSU. Should have lost to Auburn. They needed a miracle comeback in four overtimes. The Powers weren't the Powers because they were the only teams that lost to anybody last year. This year it's equal footing, so I think the Powers will return to form, and I don't see any way a group of five team makes it. But if one did, I'd go with the UCF Knights. And UCF under Gus Malzahn, he brought in a ton of P5 transfers last year and then got beat up. I mean, he lost his quarterback week three. He was hit hard by injuries throughout the lineup. Those injured players are back. He brought in a ton more P5 transfers this year. They avoid Houston in league play, and they get Cincinnati at home. And in the bounce house the last five years, they're 30-2. and two. So if they take care of business of that, I could see UCF running the table. And they'd have a couple of impressive wins under their belt. Louisville, Georgia attack the Cincinnati game then maybe Houston in the AAC title game and if all that happens I think they'd have beer most likely candidate so you can get the magazine currently at Barnes and Noble here across central Iowa across the state of Iowa online where we kind of started the conversation Phil people want to get those updated looks at rosters all the transfers coming in and out injuries best place to go just go to philsteel.com yeah, philsteel.com. And, you know, if you buy the digital magazine on philsteel.com, we actually update it. We update the write-ups and up to, you know, circle the players that are out for the year. And it's been a pretty active couple of days. So that will be updated all the way through the start of the season. Just go to philsteel.com, get your injury updates, and then you can also get the digital magazine there. The college football's most accurate preseason magazine. How many years? Like, I mean, a bunch of them, right? I'm afraid to say it, guys. It's 28th year this year. How long? How long have we been doing the show? Uh, we've I mean, uh, 2000. Uh, 2000 was the first year you were on with me. How about that? Nice. I, I appreciate that. You know, back in the early years of the magazine, ha- let, having you guys uh, let me on the on the show with you, I can't thank you enough for that. Phil, great to talk to you. Look forward to doing it again next year. How about that date? Hey. <laughs> Sounds good. It definitely is. And I always look forward to our conversations, my friends. Thank you, Phil. Good to talk to you. Phil Steele, uh, you can uh, grab the uh, uh, com, right? Yes. S- Steele with an E at the end. Should Correct. say that. Yep. And on Twitter, at PhilSteele042. Don't know where 40? the number comes from. Not sure. He wasn't born in 42. You wouldn't think so. No, he's not. No. no.
Uh, but uh, he is, this is the most accurate uh, of the preseason magazines. Love it. It's a must-have. Uh, it's uh, 1045. Mitch Holtus will join Trent and I next. We'll talk a little Kansas City Chiefs when we return on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. For 10% off your first month. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Miller and Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Let's get right to Mitch Holt as the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, Papa John's in Central Iowa. Sponsors our uh, daily segment with Mitch Holtis and weekly during the regular season into the playoffs and as far as they go. Hello, Mitch, Trent, and Ken. How are you? Doing great. Hangover 5, right? Is it over? Or you guys still got the Vegas in um, I'm good. Trent's not good. Okay. I got a day to go still. Trent yeah. is not good. Okay. No, no. Need a little bit more work. Nope. There wasn't anybody in the trunk of the car <laughs> no. trying to get out. Okay, good. Uh, indeed. Hey, uh, with fir- the crowbar. <laughs> first cut down day, Mitch. Uh, down to what? Yeah. 85 today? Yeah, we're at 87 right now. We're right, we're right in practice. Uh, cool little drizzle here. It's great. It feels like a late October game at GHA Field at Airhead Stadium. But yes, There'll be two cuts. I um, got a group here was telling them that two of these guys out on this field who are expecting to be here tomorrow will not be. There has to be two more guys wow. on the cut down before three o'clock this afternoon. So it actually goes that late, right? There's guys. You guys are on the field right now, and uh, it's still, uh, you know, back and forth amongst coaches, uh, position group coaches yep. as to who's going to stay. I really want this guy, and coaches going to bat for uh, for one player over another. Is that how it works? That's the way it works. And honestly, where they were discussing it is right across the hall. I've got an office up here in the union, and these uh, actually personnel people were in discussion. They were getting, it was late, man. It was, I thought I was working late. They still had more to do, and they were going to meet with the coaches. And, you know, guys will make cases for their mm-hmm. players, and uh, it's not always a consensus. And I, I don't think these two will be a consensus. I mean, uh, and there was one surprise yesterday, Lonnie Johnson Jr. Uh, who was a veteran. We traded for him, played second-round draft pick for the Texans. Uh, we released him yesterday. So, And Chris Jones is on the field right now on team, which is good because he's eating people up again. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, Speaking of eating guys up, that offensive line uh, has been able uh. to do it. And we're going to get into Creed Humphrey in a moment. Before we talk about Creed, though, and just what a great addition he has been to this organization, we've talked about it every single year. Mitch, you know how important depth is on the offensive line. You feel good about that starting group. How has the depth come along here during camp, though? Well, you've got a very pertinent question, because right now that, I think, was probably the biggest concern of this team, is finding two more, three more offensive linemen to be that. You're going, and you're talking about, like, it's the 16th of August, so you're talking about depth on the offensive line? Yes, because, and the defense just got a safety on the offense. Mm. Uh, uh, but... Uh, you've got to develop two or three others that have to be ready to go. Invariably, there'll be uh, injuries. Uh, it may not be in the first week of the season or the fourth week, but it might be. But you've got to be ready. Offensive line depth is critical. Uh, otherwise, I'll just show you Super Bowl 55 and the 31-9 loss to the Buccaneers, and that's that was that whole story. Well, we've talked about this before, and that was the success last year's draft in particular would have brought to that mm-hmm. offensive line. Trey Smith in the sixth round. No first-round pick, we remind people. Creed Humphrey was there. I believe he was their first choice, but in the second round. And what an impact mm-hmm. he's had, Mitch. 
Let's talk about those two guys, Ken, because uh, first of all, Creed was the highest rated rookie of any position in the entire league last year at 91.4 rating. Trey Smith was called the steal of the draft. We got a first-round talent in the sixth round. But for Creed, he continues to work on his craft. We were just watching OLDL here, which, um, you know, Creed is turning into a star, but he also knows literally, literally, he's the center of attention in this offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling good about it right now. Everybody's coming to work, uh, putting in hard work every day, uh, focusing on details that they need to focus on. So we've been we've improved the past couple of days for sure, and I'm excited about it. There's a vibe around this team. I saw it this spring and summer. What are you sensing on a vibe just in the offensive, not only the offensive line room, but the whole offense? Yeah, everybody just seems hungry. Everybody's ready to get to work. Everybody's ready to prove what we can do, prove what this uh, new-look team can do, and we're excited about it, uh, ready to just go out there and compete and get after it. Creed, his dad was an All-American wrestler, so he had Creed wrestling when he was four years old and kid wrestling. (laughs) Part of Creed's success is his understanding of leverage from wrestling, and then two, the wrestler's mentality. I mean, I don't have to say this in Iowa. How many great wrestlers are listening to us right now, either in high school or college? It's a big deal in Iowa. Um, But the toughness and mentality of a wrestler and then the understanding of leverage, and then Creed's wicked smart. Uh, the Chiefs have the best young center in the NFL right now. Uh, that that offensive line too, as you mentioned, back to Super Bowl Fifty Five. They they drafted. That's how they yep. bet, uh, built that uh, thing back up. You know, Mitch. The more people I listen to, national people uh, about uh, when they talk, uh, they get around to talking about the Chiefs. You know what I'm hearing more than I have in the last few years? I'm hearing more talk about the defense. I know we're going to spend more time on it, but there's a lot of yeah. folks that really that, that this defense has caught a lot of national uh, folks. Uh, they've got that their attention. Talking a lot about the defense, whether it be the newcomer. Laughters or Justin Reed or Thornhill, of course Jones and Clark, as you mentioned, the linebackers defense uh, looks like it's going to be a whole lot better this year. Way faster and uh, much more potential to be an attacking, explosive defense. I'm going to go to the defense tomorrow in the trenches because I'm going to go to Mike Dana. Nobody talks about him, but he's the key piece in the depth that Trent was alluding to mm-hmm. um, on the defensive side because there's a four-man rotation, a defensive end that's really strong. And uh, Dan is part of that group and just had interceptions. Speaking of defense, Mahomes is backed up at his own two, and it was a pick six for Justin Reed. It's an explosive play by a much faster safety. The day and age of defense has, has changed. I think I told you this. The 85 Bears are long gone. So are the 2000 Ravens. In this day and age of offensive football, uh, same with Iowa and Iowa State, Drake and Northern Iowa. To win now on defense, you make explosive plays. You're not going to shut anybody down and just destroy them. But you make the key play. You steal a possession. You make a splash play that Justin Reed just did for a 25-yard pick six that can flip games. That's the definition of defense now. Athletic, explosive, uh, and you're not going to necessarily dictate the whole game, but you'll do enough to tip the balance your way. I want to see Justin Reed take one of the house and then kick the extra point afterwards. <laughs> he was Butker had an ankle injury yesterday. You guys knew that, and so uh, Reed did all the kicks. He had nine kicks. He spray painted the upright on one of them on the PAT, but the others he looked like might as well have been I don't know uh, John Carney or Morton Anderson. Like he just looked like mm. he'd done it all his life. Mm. So yes, a pick six and then kick the PAT. I'll go. 
I'll come out of the press box. I'll be out of my gourd. <laughs> That'd be something. Uh, it seems like the Donalds have been making pizza all their life. They do it so well. Uh, they're also very philanthropic I here in Central Line. I to you guys. Yes, I got it. Trent did not. I got it. Thank you. Okay, no. good. Uh, five ninety nine, and just grab these. Uh, or five forty nine, I think. Maybe I'm taking fifty cents off here, but it's only going to be until the end of the week. So grab it. Iowa State Fair special from Papa John's of Iowa. So. Do it. And that drone should be landing back at Des Moines Airport right now. Good stuff. We're not far away from it. We'll talk to you tomorrow, bud. (laughs) See you, boys. See you. Thank you. Mitch Holtz is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. A little play-by-play action there from uh, Trey. That's good. You know, we started to talk about the BMW Des Moines guest list at 5 after 10. I don't think we got to the second hour. Well, let everyone know what we got. Well, Brian Walton is going to come on next. He's going to talk about those first-place St. Louis Cardinals. And then Frank Schwab, who covers the NFL for YahooSports.com, we're going to have him at 1125. That will precede Trent's plays of the day. You're a little under the weather, but you were good yesterday. Ah, that's what we like. Hour 2 coming up next. Miller and Condon, 106.3.